Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. <laughs> Today's guest is a return guest. That's right. You know the theme here. We got a bunch of returning guests. Tracy McCubbin. And if you don't remember her, we talked about decluttering. That's right. She's the author of the book, Make Space for Happiness, How to Stop Attracting Clutter and Start Magnetizing the Life You Want. Welcome to the episode, Tracy. Thank you, Leo. It makes me so happy to see you again. So happy. I, I just love our conversation and I know it's going to be a good one today. Yeah, I mean, since we last talked, you're now married. You got married in March. Yep. <laughs> Did, now, yeah. I, I would assume, I always feel like when people get married, there's always like a decluttering of the other person's stuff. It's like, well, all right, if we get married, this has to go, and that chair definitely does not go. <laughs> oh, it's even better than that. So in the um, in the way that only the universe, you know, uh, what's that saying? If you want to make God laugh, tell her your plans. Um, so in only in the way that the universe can do, uh, the man that I married, who is an absolute gem of a human and kindest, funniest, greatest partner is so messy. He's so messy. So I have had to not only walk the walk, help teach someone without nagging, and also learn when I have to shut the F up. And like, it's been a real lesson in, you know, they say about relationships, like, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be happy? So really navigating where I can help him be better decluttered and in his organization skills. And when am I just nagging? Cause I want to do it my way. <laughs> I, I love that you recognize that, that whole, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be married? That's right. Because if you're right, then uh, it's usually at the sacrifice of the relationship, right? Ex uh, exactly. And, and then, then that's the fight that you're having. And so, you know, early on, especially when we first started living together, it was, I realized like he's always been messy, so he's always heard about it, and he had a lot of it was a lot of it was a lot of emotional landmines to bring it up. So I started just leading by example, and you know, one thing he always lo lost his keys, always, 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 always. That was just like, where are my keys? Where are my keys? And I was like, this is a key bowl. Every day we drop our <laughs> keys in the key bowl, and then eventually now it's not a problem anymore. You know, now he's like, oh right, keys go in the key bowl. We don't, you know, we don't. So it it was a great it was very teachable and very, um, and then also I realized that there's some things he's a editor and has a whole, there's a room in our house. I don't go into it's his edit space. I do not go in there. I cannot be in there. The cords, I, I can't. And you know what he gets to, and it works out great. That's right. It's so, like, you need, you need that space to be you. Hopefully every, it's like you, you need that junk drawer. You need that drawer. It, where you could throw anything in and you need that room where you could kind of do anything in. And for him, you know, he's a creator. He, this is his art. Not only is it his profession, but it's his art and his expression. And so when in that space, particularly when he's like, Oh, I need some help. Can you, I will, but I, that's his space. Now the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I have a friend who's quite messy, right? There's, there's clutter all over the place. And I, I, I realized that some people have are, are messy because they're a bit more visual. 
and yes. sort of put things in a cupboard where they can't see it, then they they kind of forget they can't remember where things are unless it's out in the open. But right? Yes and no. Okay. I, I think I think that's true for some in to some degree, but I also know like in our, we just, we just literally moved this week. And so we set up a new kitchen and I put big post-its on all the drawers and cupboards. So he knows where everything is. And the interesting thing is in our old house, he put everything back where it went and our kitchen was, you know, he does a lot of the cooking. So we looked at the triangle of the kitchen. So I do think that if you set up systems in the sense of like batteries are always in this drawer, this is where batteries go you will put batteries away. And I think what happens with people who rely on, oh, it has to be out for me to know I have it, is that they've never set up systems that work for them. Mm. I think that's the difference. If you can put in, and they can be very simple, like we have a battery drawer. Again, I don't go in there because the Ds are not with the Ds and the Cs are with the As and you know I want them all, but it works. So I think that that's something to remember if you are a person who sort of leaned on that story that I need it to be out to know I have it, you might want to look at the systems that you've put in place or have it. Yeah, because some people can over-identify with being messy, and then it can be uh, an excuse for not actually taking time to think about a system that would work for you so that, Ex you know, things go in the right place. Exactly. And, you know, it, it's, I think for people who have, I think that being messy, you know, I think I'm going to say, I want to say this gently. I think for people who are dealing, we're all dealing with it. So I shouldn't say people who are just people, but when it comes to our mental health, a lot of times for people um, being messy is very associated with a, a depressive time or a downtime. And so sometimes it's like, they kind of just stay there because it, it means they're going to have to reconcile a lot of other stuff and that that was a bad time and they were wrong. And I don't ever want them to people to look at it that way. That's like, yeah, you had a downtime and maybe you didn't handle your stuff in the way that you wanted to, but you're here now. And we know that living in a decluttered space visually and emotionally and mentally is better. And I don't mean better in like, right or wrong, but better in that it, 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 it makes you happier. So I think that understanding that when you were messy, does it make you a bad person? And a lot of times you were, most of us were going through something, but sometimes I see people kind of make it their personality, you know, well, I'm just messy. That's just what I am. I'm just messy. Like, right. Well. Right. It's like you can visit <laughs> there, but you don't have to stay there kind of deal. Exactly. And, and exactly. I know exactly what you're meaning, like in terms of it maybe better is not the word, but like I know when I clean my car, it's just something calming and soothing about getting into a car that I just cleaned. But there's like if I cleaned it myself, then I feel like a sense of accomplishment also like, hey, I did this. And I also feel like the car runs better, which is ridiculous that like <laughs> me vacuuming and cleaning the, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. like getting the bird poop off the windshield all of a sudden, you know, gives me a V8 engine yeah. or something. Like I'm in an <laughs> F1 racer. It's, it's insanity. But, but I do believe, you know, I do believe that that kind of tidying up, meeting up, decluttering, being organized 
I think it's a form of self-care, right? Yes. When you get in a clean car, I, I mean, I just did this yesterday. I was like, girl, this is out of control. Like I've been back and forth at meetings and all these things. I was like, park right next to the recycle bin, get rid of those water bottles, get rid of the Starbucks cups. Like, you know, and, and it, and it is, I felt like, I was like, oh, you took 10 minutes and you took care of yourself. You did it for you. You made your car nice. Now, when I got my car this morning, I was like, oh, this is great. So I, I think that I think I really want people to understand that when they look at decluttering and organizing, it's not about being right. And it's not about doing it perfect. It's not about how your Nana told you your room had to be clean, but it's about making your own space organized and beautiful as an act of self-care. Yeah. Our, we, we have a guy who comes or my, my girlfriend has a guy who comes to, to clean the car at our house. And he and he said, <laughs> and he said, uh, it's his mental health space, you know, being outdoors, being active, cleaning. And I find that too. I love being outdoors, raking the leaves, cleaning the car, just doing things that, um, you know, aren't physically overwhelming or taxing, but there's just something kind of calming, soothing. I can go at my own pace, maybe listen to a podcast, um, but allow my brain to, to unclutter also, you know? Well, and sometimes I think those sort of repetitive, for me, it's, you know, the one it's folding laundry. Like for me, folding laundry is very meditative. I look at, I take it as a moment of meditation. I don't really do anything else. And I just kind of think through my day. And so I think sometimes if we can look at those care tasks, right. Tasks that take care of ourselves as sort of an act of meditation and, you know, an act of like, you're ta you're taking care of yourself and you're taking a moment. And like you said, you're outside and you're raking or you're planting and, it, you know, I, 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 I like to fold laundry, but. <laughs> now for the listeners out there and also for myself, what's the difference between clutter and hoarding? Someone who oh, is very cluttery yeah. and somebody who hoards, what's the difference between those? This two? is such a fantastic question. So Hoarding, hoarding disorder, I mean, to hoard is a verb, right? It means to hold a lot of stuff. But the, I'm going to get it wrong, the DSRM, the DSM, the, DSM, the, the yeah. diagnostic. diagnostics. Yeah. Yes. So uh, for years and years and years, they believed that hoarding was a symptom of OCD. But in about the last 10 years, they've now uh, classified it as a own disorder. Um, and I believe it is an anxiety disorder. I believe it is sort of seen in the world of agoraphobia, you know, that it's a way that people manage. So there is a quiz online that can kind of tell you where you fall. It's also scaled to one to 10, um, where you are on the hoarding scale, but it really is different than just a clutter problem, you know? And so I think people aren't aware of that and they smush the two together you know, nothing makes me more, you know, people are like, oh, I'm such a hoarder. I'm like, mm, you're not, you're, you know, it's a true, it's a true disorder. I also think from my own experience working with them and I have a, fa a close family member who we've been dealing with it his whole life. Um, I think there's an addiction component to it. I think that hoarders get addicted to the collecting and they get addicted to their hoard, which probably has to do with, a, a hit of dopamine, right? Like when you're using or when you're drinking, you know, when you're drinking, you a glass of wine after work, I had a hard day that makes me feel better. Well, if one made me feel better, two will make me feel 
even better and four will make me feel great, but we know that that's not true. Um, and I think it's the same thing with hoarding. So if someone is listening and they are concerned that they or someone they love has hoarding disorder, there is help out there. Um, there's a great, amazing book called Buried in Treasures by Dr. David Tolan. It's written for people with hoarding disorder and family members or loved ones. It's fantastic. Um, and and interestingly, hoarding can really be dealt with like OCD with fairly simplistic cognitive behavior therapy. So really just cognitive behavior therapy is really good for hoarding disorder. Tapping, you know, things that help you regulate your anxiety. So um, it's, and the interesting thing about hoarding is people who hoard tend to be very, very intelligent. That's something that they found. So they can kind of talk their way in and out of all these things. But that hoarding disorder is a disorder. It is a mental disorder. Um, it is treatable. There is help out there. There's a lot of shame around it, like everything, a lot, a lot, a lot. But there is a lot of help available. And if it's something you're concerned about, you want to find a mental health professional who has experience either in OCD, hoarding disorder, that. And then clutter is clutter. Clutter is emotional attachment to things, you know, stories that you tell yourself, the re you spent money on it, you can't let go of it, sort of a symptom or a byproduct of a depressive state, you know, so there's, there's, when you start to kind of see it, the difference is pretty clear, because really when it's hoarding disorder, it's like you cannot let go of things. You just can't, you, you know, you have a million, you know, a hundred yogurt containers and you can't and, you know, things, but clutter, it's like, you're sort of wrestling with it. Um, so does that help explain? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I was thinking about that show hoarders on Netflix or, or YouTube or whatever. And it's like, you just can't even physically, you can't even use the rooms for what they're intended for any, anymore. You're like, am I in a kitchen? Because yeah. th there's like a, a thousand, you know, books and clocks and <laughs> yeah and that's one of the biggest questions when you do the test to see if you have hoarding disorder one of the first it's like two or three on the on the quiz is are there rooms in your house that you cannot go into are there rooms in your house are there rooms not being used for their intended purposes so like you said is the floor of your kitchen full of books and not even cookbooks like so that's a big that's sort of the difference like when you're cluttered, you're like, well, I can't use my desk, but, you know, I sleep in my bed and all that. But when it starts to, there are literal rooms you cannot go into or they, they just don't even look like what they once were. I feel like now the hoarding is is moved digitally, like online. I look at my phone <laughs> and I'm like, do I need a thousand apps? And I tried to do that thing where, you know, like I try to group the apps together, like, all right, my travel apps, my finance apps, my social media apps. And I'm like, do I need to be? And then the emails and the yadas. And it's like, I got to check yeah. my emails, Ooh. my DMs, my TikTok messages, my Twitter messages. my. <laughs> oh, can we have a moment about that? I'm like, there are like 16 ways that people can get a hold of you. And they get mad at you if you don't answer. Like, you know, I, for me, I've started, I have an auto message on my DMs that say, email me at this address. Like I can't keep up. And, you know, and there are things I'm, you know, and it's too much. I have a, ooh, Leo, I have a fantastic digital photo organizing hack 
you want a little hack? A little, always, yeah. always. So every day when I'm, uh, I'm on an iPhone, when I'm like having my coffee or kind of just getting ready for the day or end of the day when I'm winding down, I go into my photo program, iPhoto, whatever it's called now. In the search bar, I type in today's date and then it pulls up every picture taken on that date all the way back. So then I just go to like, it'll be like a hundred pictures and I'll go through and I'll be like, well, that's a picture of my parking space from four years ago. I don't need that. That's the label of a jar that I couldn't read. So I had to magnify, don't get rid of that. And then I'm just going through and I'm going back on September 14th and deleting backwards. It's great, 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 great. Cause you're like, I do a day and then I'm done. I love that. And that makes it much more manageable than feeling like I have to delete all my photos today. Like that's so overwhelming. Uh, it's so overwhelming. <laughs> so it's really about, I think, you know, one of the, one of the big things about organizing is you, you got to do it in bite-sized chunks. Well, you talked about the automatic message that goes out on your social media. What app are you using for that? Cause I would love that. Or uh, I think it's called, I think it's called many chat. M A N. We just, we just started using, I think it's called men, M A N Y, uh, many chat. I think that I can, I'll, I'll send it. I have to look it up, but I think that's what it's called. But yeah, cause it's like, I want to, there are so many people I want to talk to and there's also so much garbage that it just all gets lost. So they just get an auto message. And then if they're, the nice thing about that is if they're a bot, it doesn't matter. So I think it's called many chat, M-A-N-Y chat. I absolutely love that. Yeah, there's just this fear of um, that we have of letting go because we think, well, just in, I, I might need that just in case. Like there, <laughs> there's all this just in case stuff that I find that I'm holding on to. And I, I'm, I'm feeling the the burden of that a little bit with the books. I, I buy a lot of books and there's there's a tipping point of, where I was excited to read the books and now I feel overwhelmed by how many books I haven't read uh, visually. So I'm like, I got to cut back on the, on the book buying because I just want to read all the books. It's, it's, it's I know. So two suggestions for that. Cause I have that same problem. I, um, uh, two things that I do, I have one shelf on my bookshelf that is my to be read shelf. These are all the books that I haven't read. And I, if there's a new book I really want, something that came out, like, you know, I can't wait for Britney Spears' autobiography memoir. I'm just like, I can't wait for it. Um, but I have to, I make a deal with myself where I'm like, I have to read something from my to-be-read pile before I can buy a new book. Um, and if and if I'm like, ooh, I really want to read this first, I'm like, then you got to let something go. And the other thing is get a library card. No. Get a library card. No way. No? No way. Not going to do it? I, not for you? You know what it is? Auditorially, I don't like the sound of that plastic on library books. When you oh, open I the books, you. the yep. feel, I'm a very uh, texture, tactile person, an auditory mm -hmm. person. The sound and feel of a library book is feels disgusting to me. I can't, I can't handle it. It is smart, but also on the other side, I love to take notes in my books. Yeah. And yeah. so when I reread a book, it's almost like revisiting a, 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 a older or a younger version of myself. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, it's funny. I'm not a my husband's a big library person, and he goes all the time. And I, I'm with you. I'm sort of a note taker in books, yes. and there's a there's like categories I like to go back to refer to. And then if it's fiction, then I if I love it, I'll keep it. But I also like to pass them along. You know where. I, I sort of get, you know, I, I like to do, I'm, I'm forever known for finishing a book on a plane and handing it to the flight attendant. Oh, yeah. I'm like, you're off to Hong Kong from here, so you might want this. <laughs> and they're super appreciative of that, aren't they? Because they're just back oh, yeah. there with like Us Weekly or something <laughs> that... <laughs> Like, totally, oh. and then you're like, oh, I don't. And the, my my goal is always to try and figure it on the flight over because then I don't have to lug it for the rest of the trip. <laughs> right, right, yeah. I mean, I'm reading Atlas Shrugged right now, and I'm like, wow. that's like ten thousand pages. I'm like, I, I wish I like to do audio, or I do like to do audio, but I could never do the Kindle. I need to turn pages. Yeah, Kindle, it's funny, Kindle doesn't work for me either. And, you know, I think that's an interesting thing for people to realize um, that these kinds of things are important to know about yourself and how you relate to your stuff. Like this, for me, in the way that library books, like you don't like the sound and the feel, I don't like spiral notebooks. I don't like the feel of the metal on my hand when I'm writing on it. I just, I, I, I don't. And so... Once I realized that and took away the judgment about it, I stopped buying spiral notebooks. I was like, I don't buy them anymore. If I'm somewhere and someone's giving them out as a promo thing, I'm like, oh, I don't take those. And so I think if you can figure those things out, you're like, uh, like, I only like a certain pen. There's like one pen I like. I'm like, I don't buy any other pens. I like one pen. I know it. It's a little bit more expensive, but it's the only pen that I use. And I only have that pen. So I don't have all this pen clutter because I'm like, I know I like one. So I think when people are looking at their relationship to their stuff, those are important things to note. Oh, yeah. When you find a good pen, you're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're for life. You just know. You're like, you understand me. Like, you write at the we, We're on the same page. There's some pens that write faster than you. You're like, hey, I'm, hey, hey, slow down. Where are you going? And then you got others that are right too slow. And you're like, come on, keep up. I can't handle this right now. When we're talking about, when we're talking yeah, about. I don't like that. I don't like the stutter step pens though. The ones that like oh, catch oh, and yeah. then they little, little ink drop. You're like, you're killing me. Oh yeah. You're messing up the, the aesthetics of, of what I'm putting down here. I'm writing something beautiful, but it looks awful. What are you doing to me? What, what room do you recommend people start with first or is that even the well, let me let's, let's scale back what's the first rule of decluttering if there is one you know i think the first rule of decluttering is to get very clear on why you're doing it like why are you doing it are you and it can be everything from I'm paying for an outside storage unit and I want to pay that $150 a month anymore. I want to park my car in my garage. So I want to clean my garage out. I want to have guests over. Uh, I'm tired of like crying every morning when I open my closet, getting dressed. Like when you think of your why, that's what keeps you motivated. And so, and I always tell people that I want their why to be something positive, not like, oh, I'm lazy and I'm a bad housekeeper or I'm super, you know, it's like, what are you going to gain by decluttering? And once you lock that into place, all of a sudden it becomes, again, an act of self-care and not a punishment. 
I love that idea of what are you going to gain? Because we only, because our, our, our amygdala just is thinking about what we're losing and what we're giving up, but we don't think about, I remember one time I left my phone in a, in an Uber and I was uh-huh. both like aghast and excited. I felt so <laughs> light and buoyant. I was like, Ooh, no one can reach me. I'm mysterious. I could do whatever <laughs> I want. Ooh, I got to make eye contact with people. <gasps> I'm going to have to talk to people. Like, you know, like it was like a whole new world. Um, and then I got my phone back and then I felt a thousand pounds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got to check Instagram. Something might have happened. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. But I think when you look at that, what do you hope to gain? You know, I think when we talk about decluttering and organizing, we're so used to coming at it from a place of beating ourselves up. You know, well, I'm bad and I'm messy. And, you know, and especially, especially, and I, I say this to my clients all the time who are coming on the other side of dealing with chronic health issues, you know, not even chronic health issues, you know, depression, just anything. It's like, let's not beat ourselves up for what happened. Let's look at today. You want to make a change. So great. So what do you hope to gain? So that's the first place to start is what do you hope to gain? Um, How will decluttering support that? And then I always tell people, you know, to start, like pay attention to your space and what's what, where the log jams are happening, right? Like, is it getting out of the door in the morning? Is it getting in your car? Is it trying to park your, you know, where's that? That's always a good place to start. Um, and also I always tell people, I, mean, I don't know if this is, you know, productivity experts will agree with me, but I'm like, start with the easy stuff. Start with the easy stuff. Literally just go through and get rid of shipping boxes. Like start there. Like just get rid of all those Amazon boxes, but it's a good box. Like, I know it's a good box, but another one will come. I promise you, (laughs) you know, it's so true. I mean, that's, that's how I got out of the debt. I started with the, the lowest uh, credit cards. I was like, let me just feel like I'm moving forward on some level. Let me just feel like I'm gaining some momentum. I just want to check something off here. I don't, I I just want a small win real quick. 100%. Don't they call that in, in budgeting and finance, they call that the snowball approach. I don't know what they call it. I, I, I call it the Leo approach. I was just like, yeah, okay, I, think, I can get this done. Yeah, no, it's so there's sort of two theories with that, where one is you like sprinkle a lot of little payments. And I think they call that the snowflake, but then sort of the more, which everything I've read in my own personal experience, like yours was I focused on one card, paid it down, check, cut it up, off it went, you know, went up. So I, I'm a big fan of that in the decluttering process too. Like start with something, start with something doable, you know, don't start with the like letters from your dead grandmother. Like don't start there. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, it's, it's so interesting because there are these periods in my life where, because there's also like an emotional decluttering and there are these periods where I think of like, I go, I got to empty out. Like, and I don't know what that necessarily means. But usually it means I need to unplug. Like I have too much mental clutter. I've I've been listening to podcasts too much, watching too much input. And now like my brain can't uh, cipher what to keep, what to connect, what to use, what's trash and all those. 
what are your recommendations for the um, emotional decluttering? I, I think you're, you know, I think that especially if you're on a personal development path and you're, you know, a truth seeker and sometimes you just, you gotta like kind of quiet it down. And I, I think that is true sort of with emotional and spiritual decluttering. Like sometimes you're like, sometimes you're like, you know what? I'm not going to read another self-help book for a bit. I'm going to watch the chef or the bear, whatever that show's called. Oh, I'm going to watch bear the bear. So good. Yeah. The bear. Oh, so good. I'm, I'm like, I'm savoring the last couple episodes. I just want Marcus to come over and bake me a cake. I love him so much. Um, but that, uh, you know, that sometimes you're like, I've been doing all this hard work, you know, or I've been tending to other people, taking care of other people, being support for other people. And sometimes you're like, I just need to unplug. Like I need to declutter the, I think it's like, it's almost like I need to declutter the information that's coming at me sometimes because there's so much whap, 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 whap. So like, maybe I just need to declutter the information. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. I think we believe we can take on more than what we can or, or, you know, or the fact that, oh, yeah, well, I can do it. So why not do it? And it's like, yeah, but, you know, when our cup runneth over with with information, now we're just making a mess all over the place. Exactly. And also, I can, I this that's like sort of thought process, I can, ergo, I should. It doesn't, it's like, perfect example, unlike you, I do not like to garden. I do not like to rake. I do not like to plant. I can. I come from both of my parents are master gardeners. I know a lot, but it doesn't, you know, bring me happiness. I don't enjoy it. So I'm grateful and lucky that I'm in a place where I can afford to pay a very nice person to come and do it for me. So just because I can doesn't mean that I should or that I have to. I'm glad you cleared that up. What room should people start off with? Like, how how do you decide? Say their whole place is cluttered. Attic, basement, (laughs) bedroom. Yeah. You know, in my first book, Making Space Clutter Free, I do have a fantastic work plan to just tackle the whole house. But I honestly, I, you know, there's two minds. There's two minds. Like, there's the mind of you start with the garage or the you know, the basement, you start with the deep storage. Like if you're like, I'm ready to go hog wild and like make this happen. You know, you start with the deep storage because that does two things that clears up the really old things, the stuff that you haven't touched. And it also creates storage, right? So that's one approach, which is very successful. The other is like, start at your entryway, start in the spaces that you use the most and affect you the most daily and spend five minutes, spend 15 minutes and start there and build your stamina up, right? Decluttering, decluttering especially is for a lot of people that doesn't come naturally. So it's like, it's a practice. It's like in the same way that you talked about paying down your debt, right? When you got, and I, 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 I don't want to speak for you, but I'll speak for my own experience when I was in debt. I was used to being in debt. I knew what that felt like. I knew what it was like to charge it on a credit card and have the moment of like, well, you can't, but it's okay. You'll, you know, I knew all that. And so what I had to do was practice not spending, you know, spending within my means and paying it down. And once I got comfortable, once that felt norm and good and I was seeing that, you know, my credit score was going up and I actually had more money in the bank. Then 
it was, then it became a habit. And, you know, now I'm at the point because I'm want miles because I'm, you know, that, but I will make a big purchase on my credit card and pay it off immediately. Yeah. It's so smart. Uh, what you said in terms of you were used to that feeling of being in debt. And I remember when my uh, good friend paid off his college tuition, he said, I had no idea how heavy that weight was until I paid it off. He was like, it was like I took a breath for the first time in my life. And I was like, wow. Yeah, when you're underwater, you know, when you're a fish in water, you don't know that you're in water. You, yeah, you, you don't. No you don't know you're wet, right? And so if you've been living in clutter, you know, you it's that same thing. Like, you just don't know it in some ways. And, you know, this very interesting thing happens. And I'm, I, I'm not... I, not a hundred percent off the top of my head, the science of it, but it, when you live in a space that's cluttered, it gets to a point where your brain can only take in so much visual clutter. So it actually just stops seeing it. Like it just wow. stops seeing all the clutter. And you, you know, you've had that happen where you move something in your house and you're like, wait, that's been there. Like I, I, I went traveling recently and like left my suitcase for two weeks. And then I was like, Oh God, that's just been sitting there. Like I didn't put it away, you know, because your brain just stops seeing it. And that's what, ha and you get used to living in the clutter, but it's affecting you. It's Ab affecting you. And, mm. you know, and when you start to think of the cost of that, the emotional cost, you know, I had a client one time, we did, her apartment was pretty cluttered and she, we, I think we took a week and every space went through everything and carloads of stuff got donated and she she had been motivated to get it done. Her why was because she'd had a leak and she couldn't get the plumber in to fix it because mm. there was so much clutter. So mm. we were able to do that, got it all fixed. She called me a couple of weeks after we worked together and she said, I just want to let you know, a friend of mine called me and said, hey, I'm in your neighborhood. Do you want to meet me at the local coffee shop for a cup of coffee? And she said, oh, no, why don't you come over to my house? And her friend, she said, a friend came over and her friend said, I've never stepped foot in your home. We've been friends for 10 years. I've never seen your home. And she said, I realized that was the first time I'd had someone inside my house in like 15 years. And I didn't realize how much I was isolating myself. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, it's so funny because uh, we have a neighbor and I'm, and I, I'm like, wow, we've never been in her house. And I, I could tell. It's because of the amount of clutter and um, and what that feels like. But even when there's mental or emotional clutter, we do the same thing. We isolate when we have too much noise going on in our head. Uh, we go, oh, I, I can't I can't be out there in the world. It's so strange. Um, but it's so interesting about that isolation, too, because, you know, one of in the new book, Make Space for Happiness, you know, I did a really deep dive on sort of what makes us happy, right? And how it affects us and how our stuff doesn't make us happy. And we think that it does, you know, we're marketed to that this will solve all your problems and this will, you know, buy this and you'll feel great. But one of the biggest things is we as humans don't do well with isolation. We need, you know, one of the biggest predictors of longevity is social interaction. Right. That's, you know, one of the biggest things that elderly people die of is loneliness and lack of content. So we 
you know, we have a hard time and we isolate ourselves, you know, our house, we keep our house cluttered. So we isolate ourselves, but really what we need is connection. And, and when we think about connection, it's like, we don't recognize how much, um, external noise can disrupt our ability to connect with ourselves. Right. You think if you walk into a room and you're like, Oh man, all this stuff. It's like, now you're thinking about all this stuff instead of thinking about your needs, your wants, you're not future planning or forecasting. You're just thinking about this amount of, uh, uh, noise that's in front of you. Um, it really Look, makes I've, I've said, you know, I've been a professional declutterer for 16 years now. I have said clutter is a constant to-do list. Mm. If you have a lot of clutter, you constantly have something to do. Like I've got to, you know, I got to clean my closet or I got to deal with this or do I want this stuff? And I think for a lot of us, when we live that way, it keeps us from showing up for ourselves and showing up for other people. How do you handle email? Uh, A couple ways. I have a dummy email that I use for all shopping and online ordering so that and every like every list I get on, that's all I use it for. I do not use it for any personal, you know, any personal contact, any anything. So that is just this email. And then once a year on January 1st, I nuke that whole inbox. That is brilliant. A dummy email. Why? I've thought about that with phone numbers, but I have not thought about that with email. Duh. So it's it's just what I shop on. It's just what I, you know, deal with. Um, so that's my big one. Um, I am a big fan of folders in my in my active email, my work that I'm doing. I like folders. So I have folder for each client. I have folders for each project. I have folders for all the podcasts I do. So when a, when an email comes in, I just drag it and drop. Once I've read it and acted on it, I drop it in the folder and then it's always there. It's just, it's always worked for me. And then I also, the nice thing is when I do that act of moving it into the folder, I have to take a second and say, this email where I said, where somebody replied back, thanks, I don't need to save this email, right? So the act of moving it into a folder actually makes me visit it. Oh, it drives me nuts when people start a new email thread. I'm like, stay in the same email. Why, why do we, why do I gotta <laughs> now look at the old email that we had that you respond? Don't send me just a, a thanks email, respond in the thread. Why are you sending me a new thing? Like, and, 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 and it don't put thanks in the body, put it in the subject line. Like why I got to click on a thing to just to see your, why are you wasting my time? Okay. And also, you know, and you know what else for me, a lot of this, and I've been, is that there are things where I'm like, I'm just picking up the phone now. We can have this done in two seconds. Like, I'm like, I'm not going back with Carol and accounting and I'm not talking like, let's just pick up the phone and it's done. Like, that's the, that's a big, big behavior change where I'm like, I'm just calling somebody. because Oh yeah. My, my friend taught me that. He's like, yeah, I'm just, let's just get on the phone. Let's discuss this. What, when, yeah. when people are, are throwing things out, I think about like moving where you have a box of things you're going to throw out, a box of things you're going to maybe sell, a box of things you're going to give away. 
how I could I could imagine someone being like, okay, I'm gonna start in a garage, but how do I categorize moving, keeping, tossing? Like, what, what's your system for that? Like, how I mean, they, I am a they... I am a big fan. Like, as we know, our human brain, our memories are terrible, right? Our memories are awful, and even in the best of circumstances, I am a big fan of signs. Uh, take a piece of white piece of paper and write in a big like trash and tape it to the box or tape it to the trash bag, donate, tape it to it, like set the systems up, sell box, you know, kitchen box at the new house, like make big signs. So your brain's like, this is where this goes. This is where this goes. Because one of the things with decluttering, what gets people stopped is like, do I need the spoon? I'm holding up a spoon. Where does it go? So if you create, zones spaces that are labeled once when you start the day you don't have to think about it you're like i know this i i only have to make one decision this is a donate where does the donate go in the donate box and then when the don when i have three full donate boxes i'm gonna call the charity have come pick up a load them in my car so i think anything that you can do to make it easy on yourself labels big labels big signs how do we make this fun for ourselves? Cause I could hear somebody being like, I know I got to do it, but it just sounds so boring and, uh, and, and drudgery. <laughs> yeah. I think a couple things. One, if, to go back to this, why, what are you going to gain by doing it? Right. And also if it, if you're really feeling like that, like this is drudgery and I like, can you get some help? Like, that's okay. Can you get some help? Is there a friend you can do a trade with? Is there, you know, are you in a position where you can pay someone, you know, can you like, maybe you, maybe you want and or need help. And guess what? That's okay. This idea that we don't ask for help or we should just be, again, this goes back to just because you can, doesn't mean that you should, right? Like, you know, I have this conversation when I'm on a sales call selling our services, I'm like, yeah, you could clean your garage, you could do it, but you have a giant job and three kids and all this other stuff. So is the value, it's going to cost you 1500 bucks a day to have three guys and a truck and everything is taken away. Is it worth it? Like, you know, and that there's a math to that. Like, not only did you, is it drudgery for you, but actually is my time better spent, better valued doing something else? Yeah, I love that. It's like bake some cookies, play some music, invite your friends over. You know what I mean? Like make it a little party. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, this sad, uh, grievous event. <laughs> well, it's funny, but you know, make one it of fun, the not a funeral. <laughs> totally. Well, one of the things that, you know, the feedback that my company gets is they're like, you made it so, like, everyone who works for me is fun and they're funny and we make it fun because also it's like, we don't want to be at a drag all day. Like, you know? So it's, and also, well, if you can't laugh at yourself, if you can't laugh at yourself, I had these clients one time, lovely, lovely couple, lived in the tiniest little house, and they were having a baby on the way. Baby was coming very soon. And they were trying to make a little nook to make a nursery. And the husband was very sentimental and he had all these old clothes. and. and I was like, do you still wear this stuff? Like this whole cupboard that we could use for baby stuff. Like, do you? And he's like, oh yeah, I wear it all the time. And the wife's like, he never wears it. So we start to hold it up and uh, he holds up a pair of 
I'm going to date myself, but like those dolphin shorts, the like shiny running wow. shorts that the guys used to wear in the eighties. Wow. And they were like short and striped. And he's like, I go, these, do you wear these? And he goes, uh-huh. And I go, okay. I go, I'll make you a deal. You put those on right now and you run down to Starbucks and you get your wife and I some iced coffee, her a decaf because she's pregnant in those shorts. And I will let you keep them. And he's like, okay. He goes and puts them on. He comes out of the bathroom and we all just died laughing. Like he's like, okay, you're right. I don't wear them. <laughs> yeah. I bet you one day didn't fit either. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They didn't fit so well anymore either. That was another part of it, but you have to laugh, right? Like we're all ridiculous. We're all human. Yeah. Like, Cause there are people who, who keep clothes. I, I find that they keep it because they go, you know, especially when they gain and lose weight, right? It's a back and forth with mm-hmm. their weight. And they go, well, you know, I might gain the weight again or I might lose the weight again. Like, what do you say for that? People are keeping clothes in case they they lose the weight to fit into the clothes or they gain the weight to get, you know, because they're like, well, I, uh, you know. I was just, I just talked about this on social media. So here's the, okay, I have very strong opinions about this. Sometimes that like, Let's say a woman's pregnant and she stops being pregnant, right? That's a weight gain. That's a natural process. So sometimes there are times when that happens. But if you are, first of all, if you're sort of in the yo-yo up and down, up and down, up and down, I think there's something else going on that's worth talking about and worth looking at um, and is sort of keeping smaller sizes and bigger sizes and bigger sizes and smaller sizes. Like, are you enabling yourself? Right. Are you doing that? Um, also there was a whole conversation about body acceptance. I, I mean, I'm going to use myself as an example because my girls, the women who work for me are just here. I had all these beautiful vintage clothes that I used to wear and you know, they're fantastic. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to try them on because I, you know, I haven't worn them in 25 years. Fit over the hips, fit over the, they, I could not zip them around my rib cage. And I was like, I, I didn't gain weight in my rib cage. And it's like, my body's changed. Gravity has shifted my body. My ribs are never going to shrink back together. Like I got to say goodbye. So some of it is your body changes with time, gravity, life, and great. And you know, it's about body acceptance. So if you're sort of keeping my fat clothes and my skinny clothes and my fat clothes and my skinny clothes. Are you enabling yourself? Are you shaming yourself? Right? Like, is that healthy? Beautiful. Are, are there things that we sh- really should hold on to that people that you found that people regret typically having tossed that away to make space? You know, what's interesting. I have only that I can think of in 16 years of doing this. I can only think of one person who called me who said they regretted giving something away and they had undiagnosed hoarding disorder. Mm. Are there things that we should keep? You know, photos, not all of them. Photos, you know, things. You know, the practical things, of course, but. Yeah, I mean, there's some memorabilia, you know, there's some 
I, so I, this was a great conversation. This will feed into this. I posted on social media, yearbooks. What about yearbooks? I don't have kids, you know. By the way, there's Facebook. So if I want to go up and, you know, look at my, you know, cheerleading picture from 10th grade, there was a lovely woman named Erica Washington that I went to high school with who is a historian and she's got all of it. Like, so do I need my yearbook? You know, I don't. I haven't gone back and looked at them. I mean, I took pictures of the pages because it makes my nieces and nephews crack up with like me. But, you know, I think you think about down the road, you know, do I have every note that my husband's written me? Yeah, I have every note, you know, and I tuck them in a little box and it makes me really happy. And, you know, we went through this with our wedding. Like, what do I, I kept one invitation. I kept one table sign with the number, you know, I kept a few things like one box of stuff, but you know, I didn't keep like, you know, we had the big name board with the seating chart. And I was like, I have pictures of every table. I know where everybody sat. So, you know, are there some things that you should keep? Sure, of course. You don't want to erase your history, especially, um, this is interesting. Okay, this is really interesting. I was helping a client of mine who ha- who was raised in the South, white, and came from a big Southern family. And she had inherited all of her family's uh, plantation cookbooks or not her family, like had come from her grandmothers and not that they have plantations, but that these were, there was a very specific time in cooking and these cookbooks were made. And she was like, I can't keep these. These are incredibly racist and terrible. She's like, but I, I don't know. Do I throw them away? And I was like, well, these have incredible historical importance because we, you know, in the history of food and in the history of this country and you can't, I get why you can't keep them, but this is something. So we reached out to the Southern Foodway Alliance, which is working to keep the history of recipes and everything. It's an amazing organization. They're like, yes, we will take them. We we want them for our library because this is a time in a place in the history when we have to learn from what we did wrong and the mistakes that we made. And this shows and like how important African cooking was into modern day American cuisine. And And it was so great for her because she was like, I know these are historically important, but I don't think I can be the keeper. And she just didn't know. So, you know, sometimes if you're up again, and we've done that, I've done that with clients with things that go to the Holocaust Museum. And, you know, there's a something called the One Project, which is at USC, and they're gathering all um, LBGTQ history, like photos, newsletters, just everything into one place. They have the giant, the biggest library of that. So sometimes there are those things where you're like, I know this is historically important, but it's not for me to keep. And so there's a little bit of due diligence and finding the right place for that. Uh, it's beautiful. Is there is there anything that we haven't talked about in regards to decluttering that you think would be a benefit to my listeners? You know, I think I want to throw this out that in you know, having been a professional declutterer for 16 years and and the new book, Make Space for Happiness, really covers this, that in addition to talking about decluttering, we cannot not talk about our acquisition cycle. We can't not talk about why we shop because the reason we have clutter is because we buy crap, right? Everyone's like, how did my house get so cluttered? Where'd all this come from? I'm like, well, you brought it in or someone you know, because they didn't just walk in. So 
if you've been decluttering and you still find yourself with a lot or you it's it's probably in your acquisition cycle and what what are you trying to fill by shopping are you lonely are you angry are you you know do you need a sense of purpose like there's so many things so i feel like in this in the next evolution of the decluttering conversation we have to look at our acquisition cycle the acquisition cycle. Ooh, that just sent shivers mm. down my spine. I love that. Uh, penultimate question. Penultimate is is now my new favorite word. Thank you, Amy Neatfield. Um, <laughs> always imagine there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of wanting to end their life. Before you kill yourself, what would you say to them? You never know. You never know when you are going to say something or do something that will change the trajectory of someone's life in a positive way. And if you take yourself out, you, you won't be able to do that anymore. That even if you can't do it for you, there will be someone, you will say something someday to someone, you will teach something to somebody that will change their life. And we are a tribe and we are interconnected and we can't do it alone. And so if you are thinking about that, know that you could change the trajectory of the world. And so reach out, reach out, tell somebody, tell somebody you're having a hard time. The last question, what are you looking forward to in the next 24 hours? I'm going to surprise my niece for her ninth birthday. She oh. doesn't know I'm coming. Oh. And I'm so excited. And I really want to show up in an inflatable u- unicorn costume. <laughs> but, my, but my husband said, well, it's just clutter because then you're going to have it afterwards. I was like, do, do you not think I'm not going to wear that again? But the, the deciding factor for no was my 23-year-old niece said, you're going to show up in an anti tea and you're just not going to get the reaction you're looking for. So maybe skip it. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> well, I and I realized, to... oh, I was doing it for me. For, yeah, I want, absolutely. I want to show up. And... <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, happy birthday to your niece. Thank you, Tracy, for being here. Uh, make sure you go get her book, Make Space for Happiness, How to Stop Attracting Clutter and Start Magnetizing the Life You Want. Uh, remember this podcast is not a substitute for you calling to get help, calling that 988 or any of the other 800 numbers. You can chat, talk, text. You can go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, Tracy. Thank you, Leo.